Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on this year's program, always happy to have my callers phone, even when you disagree. Now, I want to shift gears pretty dramatically here from all the other political stuff of the day. There's a story in the New York Times that caught my eye. Many of you are getting into Han Solo season where you wear your puffy vests. It corresponds to pumpkin spice season as well. And you will wear your puffy vests with your T-shirts and get your pumpkin spice lattes and do your Han Solo impression. And many of you will wear those puffy vests from a place called Patagonia. If not the North Face, Patagonia, that tends to be where uh, suburban white people buy their puffy vests. They don't really care about the outdoorsy nature of Patagonia, but uh, they have helped make uh, Yvonne uh, Schoenard, the owner and founder of Patagonia, a billionaire. A billionaire. Well, according to the New York Times, rather than selling his company or taking it publicly, the founder, his wife, and two adult children have transferred their ownership of Patagonia, valued at about $3 billion, to a specially designed trust and to a nonprofit organization. They were created to preserve the company's independence and ensure that all of its profits, $100 million a year, is used to fight climate change and protect undeveloped land around the globe. That's right. They donated their shares to a trust, so they'll pay $70.5 million in taxes on the gift. And then, get this, they donated 98% of Patagonia, its common shares to a newly established nonprofit organization called Hold Fast Collective, which will now be the recipient of all the company's profits and use the funds to combat climate change because Hold Fast Collective is a 501c4. It will be able to make unlimited political contributions. The family will receive no tax benefit for the donation. Now, if you'll recall, just a couple of weeks ago, the New York Times ran a salacious story about dark money is flowing to Leonard Leo. The conservatives are getting over a billion dollars from a conservative, and they'll use it to impact elections. It was a sinister story of dark money. But this, they're lionizing. Now here, to some degree, they mention this here. Barseed, a Republican donor, is the only other recent example of a wealthy business owner who gave away his company for philanthropic and political causes. But Mr. Seed took a different approach in giving 100% of his electronics company to a nonprofit organization, reaping an enormous personal tax windfall as he made a $1.6 billion gift to fund conservative causes, including efforts to stop action on climate change. 
He was vilified by the very same paper propping up the Patagonia people who are headed in George Soros territory to fund left-wing causes. You know what the fight for climate change amounts to? A war against the Western lifestyle. A war against capitalism and the free market. That's what's going on here. That's what they want. They want to fight against the free marketplace. They want to fund radicals on the left who will subvert the free marketplace and undermine democratic institutions in the same way they accused the right of doing. They will fund candidates. They will give money to other left-wing groups to help those left-wing groups, and they will fight moving forward. Now, the Republicans have some on their side who are doing this. They don't have as many as on the left. Here's ultimately the problem, though. The underlying issue with climate change is these people on the left have decided that you and I must give up our lifestyles. I don't want to spend another day just fielding phone calls from people about electric vehicles. We Boy, that topic stirs people up. You bring up electric vehicles, our phones at this program light up. And I get it. People don't like to be forced into doing things they don't want to do, and that's largely what's happening in the situation. But hold on. It's a little more than that too, isn't it? Specifically what's going on here is you have people on the left in America who live very lavish lifestyles. This is a billionaire. He's not sinking into poverty. He and his kids and his wife, they're not sinking into poverty. You wouldn't know that from the way they report it, but they will hang on to some of their wealth. I bet they fly private. But they want you to give up your way of life. It did, it's always kind of funny. Why don't you guys go first? I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio won't date anybody over the age of 25, and he won't fly commercial. You're not going to see Leonardo DiCaprio on your Delta jet. He's going to be in a private jet, probably a, a Bombardier or a Gulfstream. He's going to be flying somewhere private. He's going to be on a yacht with his friends. It's not going to be an electric yacht. It's not going to be an electric plane, but he's going to fly over the world and lecture you that you've got to give up your, your lifestyle to save the planet. It's one of the, the pieces of bigotry of the left when it comes to dealing with Africa. Africa, the continent, is ginormous. Bigger than North America. You could fit North America and Europe, the landmass that is Africa. And the left has been pretty open about the fact they don't really want Africa to electrify. They don't want it to develop. They want to keep it a third world nation, a third world continent overall because they are deathly afraid that if all the people in Africa stop dying of malaria and start putting in air conditioners, they're going to spark global warming in a population crisis. It really is naked colonialism happening by the left these days. They want to blast colonialism. They're the colonists. They're, they're, they're the colonizers these days. And they're intending to keep poor countries poor. They don't want poor countries developing. My gosh, you give them air conditioner? Are, are you in, insane? My goodness gracious. 
Can't have them do that. Can't let them do that. No way. So they got to keep them poor. I wonder where the goal with Patagonia will be. Will they play abroad? I don't know that they can. Foreign money in foreign places, in foreign elections, but here in this country, you know they'll give it all to the left. They're not going to give their money to the right. They'll probably give their money to, to Malthusian organizations who believe in population control as well. They really believe that they are the elite and that you should have to suffer. They don't want to suffer. They'll use their money to ensure they're not going to suffer. They will lecture you. They will demand you degrade your lifestyle. They will fund candidates who insist on you degrading your lifestyle, and they will live luxuriously. It is Animal Farm. These are the pigs at the end of Animal Farm hanging out with the farmers. That's what's happening here. They become the things they claim to hate. But, and they do it. You got to understand this. They do it because they think they know best for you. Our nation would actually be a lot better off at this point if people stopped thinking they knew better than you to make decisions for you and just let you make your decisions. And you may screw up. You know, I, I got in trouble one time when I was filling for Rush Limbaugh. I said people had failed at life. These people who were protesting to get uh, higher minimum wages, a living wage, a lot of them had failed at life. They'd made terrible life decisions and now demanded that the rest of us have to pay for their bad life choices by having increases in food prices and the like by raising the minimum wage. And people came after me. Boy, some people came after me. I, th I thought it was funny. One of the people who came after me, who will go nameless, called me out in the Washington Post. He was one of their supposed Christian conservative writers. That guy has gone off the far left deep end these days over Trump. I knew it was coming when he went after me on that stuff. Could see it the moment, he, the way he wrote. It was a big indicator. This guy is drifting to the left. He's going wobbly. He's offended at me, pointing out people make bad life choices. They fail at the game of life, and then they get mad at you and me. Got that Soledad O'Brien woman. Uh, Soledad O'Brien is actually a pretty terrible person. She couldn't keep a job in the media. She, I think she's at MSNBC for a while, I think. She made it to CNN. Who the people I know at CNN, none of them who were there while she was there care for her. She's now doing some sort of, I, I guess it's like paid placement radio show something or other. Um, I mean, she just she comes after me all the time on Twitter. I apparently live rent-free in her head. This is a woman who thinks she should be able to force the rest of you to live a lifestyle that she thinks you should live, and she's willing to call people hateful and bigots, and today said I wasn't a Christian because I thought it was funny that Ron DeSantis was was sending the illegal aliens to Martha's Vineyard. You call yourself a Christian. You're just nasty, vile nut job or some such. She's really an unpleasant person. I kind of feel bad for her. She's not self-aware enough to know that people don't like her. But these are the sorts of people who think they should be able to tell you how to live your life. They'll harass you. They'll send the mob after you. You don't want anything to do with them. They're not very pleasant people. And here comes the Patagonia guy, the New York Times celebrating them, telling you what a wonderful thing this is that they're doing this. When really it's not a wonderful thing. What it is is they're going to plow billions of dollars into trying to ruin your way of life in the name of saving the planet, because they really think we have a decade left and we got to save the planet. It's just kind of silly to watch them hypocritically 
vilify a guy who wants to give his money to conservative causes and a week later, two weeks later, start praising this family for doing this. These, this family, by the way, has always been progressive. They've been activist progressives for a very long time. This is nothing new. I, I commend them for putting their money where their values lie, but I do think it's ridiculous that members of the media are heralding this when really all it is is it's another front in the campaign to end our way of life in the West and drag us away from the free market into a command and control society where government knows best. The command and control societies of Europe are going to freeze to death this winter because they decided they knew the best and they became beholden to the very environmentalists who want to exercise policy control here and turn off the lights and make you unplug your car. We should probably ignore them all. If I had my way, we would. But the New York Times wants us to only pay attention to them. So we should ignore them. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. They are in Noonan, Georgia, but they can help you nationwide. Wherever you are, they want to help your business grow. If you need loans, $750,000 or higher, reach out to them. FirstLibertyGA.com. FirstLibertyGA.com. Now, to the phones, we've opened the phone lines. You can call in 877-973-7425. I'm going to go back to the phones to Brittany. Welcome to the show. Brittany, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? Great. Hey, I had a question for you. I've been listening for the last few hours in the car, and I know you were talking earlier about this whole immigration situation and the open borders and such. And it kind of dawned on me while I was listening to you talk um, that the same time that our current president took office, um, locally we also had a new sheriff take office, and um, almost immediately he did away with the ICE program, which would detain illegal immigrants and then place them into the hands of immigration to be dealt with and deported, whatnot. And he did away with that completely. And so it kind of raised a red flag for me, like, and I wanted to just ask your opinion on this. It kind of feels to me like there's a whole different rule book that's being operated out of in regards to this, especially coming from the left. And, you know, if you have any insight on that or whether or not yeah, you look, agree or disagree. Um, it- This has been one of the ongoing issues that uh, we as the nation, frankly, have to deal with. These people have, um, they have pushed very, very hard to require in some capacity uh, this sort of left-wing progressive policies at the state level where they don't cooperate with ICE on immigration. They create sanctuary cities. And by law, by the way, you need to know that they're allowed to. Uh, so under federalism, the way our, our constitutional republic is designed, there are state powers and there are federal powers. The police power belongs to the states, not the federal government. The Supreme Court has found that in some cases they can operate uh, with a, a level of police power, but the reality is they are required, very much required, to operate in a way at a time that um, limits their arresting power, limits their detention power, except in certain cases, like for immigration. Uh, But to round the people up, they tend to rely on local law enforcement authorities. And when a local law enforcement authority says, we will not cooperate with ICE, we will not cooperate with the Border Patrol, there's really not a whole lot you and I can do about it other than at the next election, throw the bum out. You know, George Soros has actually worked very, very hard to try to 
uh, elect people around the country, particular district attorneys who are going to go soft on crime. It's one of the big, big issues out there right now is this effort to go soft on crime uh, by the left. Uh, and Ron DeSantis, for example, has fired a Florida um, state attorney, basically a district attorney, for refusing to enforce the law. And he's been very aggressive on it. Here's the reality. Um, there are a great many people, great many people out there who live in areas of the country that are run by the left, where they have lost elections and seen the left install highly progressive partisans as sheriffs and as district attorneys and the like. And these cities are descending into madness. A third of residents of the city of San Francisco have said if they had the means to do so, they would get out of Dodge. They would flee San Francisco. Many of them plan to flee San Francisco in the next year. And it's because of those sorts of policies. Not only that, not only that, very important that you also understand where these people want to go is to, well, your local community. And you will not be surprised to learn that what many of them wind up doing is they move to your local community. And once they get to your local community, they decide, well, I'm going to keep voting for the policies I voted for in San Francisco. And they'll ruin your local city unless you're very missional and evangelical with them and explain to them the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. You got to be kind to these people who are moving into your areas from places like San Francisco and politely point out to them that if you keep voting for the same policies over and over again, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get disaster again. Surprise. Convince these people that it's a bad idea. And, you know, uh, you may be quite successful in convincing them that uh, it's a terrible idea. You you might, you might give it a try, see what you think, um, but be kind to them. A lot of these people that are coming from California, they know nothing other than democratic control. And in other parts of the country, you've got to stand and fight. You know, it, like take the Patagonia money that I was talking about. Uh, you start telling people, oh, the Patagonia people are funding these people. They got to be real progressives. Well, if if they're, they're pouring money in, if Soros is back in a candidate, if the Patagonia people are back in a candidate, it's a big red flag to you. Big red flag that um that you probably don't need to need to support these people. I mean, they're not going to give money to a conservative after all. So be discerning when it comes to these sorts of things. All right, we'll be back with more of your phone calls 877-973-7425. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. A listener emailed and said, "Could I explain why Soros is soft on crime?" Yes, uh, I can't explain why George Soros is soft on crime. George Soros essentially believes that in the West, we've been too aggressive when it comes to crime, uh, that we have arrested too many people. Uh, You hear the left say all the time, more people per capita are in the United States in prison than anywhere else outside of China. They want to think different. Essentially, what George Soros believes is that uh, for too long we have thought about things like crime in a conservative way and we need to be more progressive in how we think about issues like crime and social justice. And as a result, he has funded uh, progressive prosecutors around the country 
in order to advocate for rethinking how we deal with crime in the country. I think it's kind of a ridiculous notion, but it is a notion that they totally believe in. Now, I want to move on to something else because I think we could all use a laugh. And someone put this together and I'm kind of, I'm, I'm impressed with whoever uh, spent the time putting this together because uh, this sort of humor, I think what you have to do is be able to laugh at the left. And so I want you to listen to a thing. I found it on Instagram. If you follow me on Instagram at EW Erickson, you can see it. Uh, you, you, you can see it in the, in the stories there. Listen to this. Uh, Word is woman. Woman, can I have the country of origin, please? I, I don't, I don't, it, probably England or Germany or something. Woman. Um, can I have the definition, please? Uh, why don't you ask Judge One that question? Can I have the definition of woman, please? No. Why not? I'm allowed to ask for definitions, right? The... The thing is, a woman is the there. The a woman is 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 so what, she's, woman. what she's trying to say is that each person gets to define for themselves what a a woman is. So can you define it? No. Your word is. Well done. I mean, you got to laugh at these people. Now, I, let, let me let me play this one for you. This is a uh, non-binary person on TikTok. It's always on TikTok. You all, the Chinese are using this to just destroy our children. But listen to this. Oh, thank you so much for asking about my pronouns, everyone misgenders me on my comments and it means so much that you asked and you're trying to be respectful so I love you for that. So I use the pronoun Zezer. Um, I chose these pronouns because in my head they them as a non-binary person means like like no gender but Zezer for me feels like it's um, like sliding like Z and Zer very similar to he and him and she and her and I just preferred that. Um, so obviously Z can be used um, in replace of she, him, and they, and then Zer is used in replace of um, the other ones. Does this make any sense to any of you? Of course it doesn't. We live in a world where people can no longer give you definitive answers for things that are rather definitive. They can't define what a woman is. They, in some cases, in some ways, they they don't want to explain to you commonsensical things. They, they don't want to uh, engage with you on issues in large part because of um, radical, idolatrous definitions of self. 
what we're seeing here is a, a manifestation of individuality that has run amok in this country where people can uh, curate, customize for themselves their unique identities. And what's so funny here, this is the deep ironic part of this, is the people who do this, they, they adopt their custom unique pronouns, is they're actually part of a herd, part of a, part of a trend. They're conforming. They're not being individual. This is the, the, the irony here that you got to really pay attention to is that they're not being individualistic. What they're doing is they're part of a herd that is growing in society where they express themselves in some unique individualistic way, but they do it collectively. So it's not true individualism. It is collectivism masked as individuality, and it's a radical individualism that disrupts science, logic, and English language itself. And it's gotten to the point where some very smart people in the world, very smart people, do genuinely believe in some way, in some capacity, that they can alter science and embrace a pseudoscientific definition of, for example, what a woman is. It, de it depends on feelings. I played you all this, the, the video a while back of, it was uh, audio out of Scotland where a girl working, I believe, for the Daily Wire or for Reason Magazine, when I can't remember, was interviewing young women and asking them what the definition of a woman was. I don't, I don't want to offend anyone, the answer. Well, it, it, it's your womanness. It's your sensuality. It's your sexuality. It's They couldn't give you the definition. That is a woman who has biological reproductive organs of a woman, including a uterus. That's what a woman is. A woman has a uterus and ovaries. A man has testicles. It is really not hard unless you're on the left. And what they've done is they've not only complicated our lives, our language, our existence, and our ability to coexist with each other as they've embraced this herd mentality of radical individuality. They've broken the brains of the young people of America who are looking for ways to stand out. Every kid who has ever existed has wanted to find a way to stand out. Now, there are some people who want to blend into the shadows. They don't want to be noticed. But a lot of kids these days, they want to be noticed. They want the attention. and They want to stand out. So I like Instagram of all the social platforms out there, social media platforms, I like Instagram the most. I put my cooking photos up. Yesterday I was playing golf, put up golf photos. Okay, really I put up a picture of the scar and bourbon in the golf bag as I was headed to golf. But nonetheless, I, I we put up clips of the show, but I really, I, I kind of try to be as transparent with people on social media, on Instagram as anywhere else. I enjoy showing pictures. I'm kind of annoyed with Instagram and this push to make everything videos and make everything like TikTok or, or Snapchat. I just, I want to be able to share pictures with friends. I want to be able to enjoy and see what friends are doing around the country. One of the things I, I tremendously like about Instagram is that I can find unique uh, custom stores on Instagram that you can't find anywhere else. I have always liked finding things that other people aren't buying. So if I want to buy a cast iron skillet, for example, I can go to Lodge. Everybody goes to Lodge, or I can I can go with the people 
that I found on on Instagram. The 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 blue skillet people who make the the carbon steel cast iron carbon steel equivalents of cast iron. I, I I can find unique clothing. So I I wear a lot of stuff. I wear a lot of Under Armour shirts if you watch the live stream. But the pants and the shorts and the underwear mostly that I wear is from a company called Rhone R H O N E. They're kind of an athletic wear. They're very very comfortable. I kind of know the CEO. We we've kind of connected on Instagram several times and don't have a lot of people in my sphere who are wearing the same clothes. And it's, it's kind of nice sometimes. I admit, oh, where'd you get that shirt? Where, where, where's that from? And you get to tell people, they're like, oh, you're, you're, you're one of those trendy people. Kind of like that. And it, it happens on, on Instagram. But what you see and what you find in these scenarios with, with people who are going through this on the left is that they're trying to find a way to express their individuality. Many of them rebelling against their parents. Some of them encouraged by their parents to do this. A lot of younger kids pushed by their parents. And they're trying to impose themselves on the rest of us. I can call myself the King of England. But if I tried to impose that on you and sit the mob after you, they do not recognize that I, not Charles, am the king of England. You'd probably want me committed to a mental hospital. But somehow I can come to you and say my individual pronouns are Zer, Z, and Zire, and the entire mob will descend upon you and attack you if you don't embrace my pronouns. The world is kind of off its rocker right now. And... One of the large problems is that so much of culture these days, particularly culturally lead institutions guided and governed by the left, are embracing this mob-like aspect. Now, I personally think this is a fever that burns itself out. It is a fire that is going to consume everything in its path till there's nothing left, and it will eventually die itself out. They will turn on themselves even. They, They will come after each other. They will ruin each other. You can never be woke enough in this game. Eventually, though, it burns itself out and we go back to normal. The question is how many people get canceled, how many people get punished, how many corporations bow down to the wokes before we change. I don't know the answer to that. I'm kind of scared to think about it. But this sort of prevalent nonsense these days where we can't actually define what a woman is and you get to pick and match your pronouns in defiance of basic common sense, biology, and the English language, it's starting to get old And I'm hoping more and more people are getting tired of it because I am. Now, before we get out of here to the commercial break, I want to take a phone call from Christine. Welcome to the show, Christine. How are you? I'm well, thanks. And I I lied to your screener. I changed Uh my mind while I was on waiting, and I want to talk about something different. Well, that's not lying. (laughs) Well, what I want to say is that if our bleeding hearts in this country and our leaders want to give billions of dollars to a country like Ukraine, and I am sorry for their situation, so that they can uh, resolve their problem there. Why don't we, instead of letting our borders open and people just come across the border by the hundreds of thousands and millions, why don't we, if we really care, give billions of dollars to those countries, even though they have a corrupt government, corrupt law enforcement, and you have the cartel. So even though, but that's who they're fighting, the same as Ukraine is fighting Russia, that if we really care, we'll let these people stay in their homelands, 
stay with their families, fight their own government, and achieve, achieve the liberty and freedom that they come to America for in their own homes and get their socioeconomic lives in order and be happy there. But the only reason that our administration lets them come across the border is for political reasons, not to really help them. You know, well said, and I I think we should be encouraging them. Listen, I'm not an opponent of foreign aid. Having grown up overseas, I've seen how foreign aid benefits the United States uh, just as as Democratic politicians go through urban areas and have throw-around money, try to buy themselves votes. We use foreign aid basically as bribery to get countries on our side. China has now stepped up and poured foreign aid into countries, and we're seeing them now set up military bases in places that threaten our interests because we've kind of given up on on the, the, um, foreign spending. I think we should be spending in these countries. I will say this. I got corrected uh, late yesterday by someone who was listening. We are not, contrary to what you're hearing on television and among conservatives, we are not actually giving money to Ukraine. I thought we were the way it's talked about. It's actually a Lend-Lease program. We are giving Ukraine weapons systems, and they have to pay us back. And this friend of mine who had listened to the program yesterday was explaining it to me, and I didn't really, there was so much other stuff I wanted to go into today, didn't get to it, Uh, but he was basically saying what's really going on here is we are going to make out like bandits in this, and people don't really realize it. We're not throwing money at Ukraine. We're sending them weapons and arms that have values, and they will have to reimburse us. And if they become part of the European Union, that debt will become part of the European Union's debt. We're also sending uh, new weapons systems to Poland, and we're sending new weapons systems to the Czech Republic and to Romania and other NATO allies that were in the East, and they're actually buying those weapons systems from us. We're not giving it to them. They're buying it from us and then turning around and giving their older Soviet-era equipment to the Ukrainians. And oftentimes the Ukrainians are buying that to them so they get our stuff at a discount. So while, yes, we're spending lots of money over there, all of that money is tied to loan obligations from the Ukrainians. Maybe we forgive the debts, but maybe we don't. But we're not just throwing money at them. Now, I personally am not opposed to us throwing some money at them that they don't have to pay back because I do think it helps us to beat the Russians now then, now then wait till later when they're allied fully with China. But most of the money that's going there is actually Lend-Lease program money. It's not actually just freebie money. Now, all that said, I got to tell you about Goldco because the markets right now, they are down again today. The Dow is down 77 points. The NASDAQ down 132. The S&P down 32 here towards the end of the show in the afternoon. Uh, Maybe they'll rebound, but gosh, with stock market turmoil, you may want to use precious metals to kind of pad your retirement, and Goldco wants to help you. You can call them at 855-904-5933. You'll get a free wealth protection kit. To learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. You can call my friends at Gold Co. Find out how you qualify for their special offer. 855-904-5933. Or you can just text Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Text Eric to 33777. And I will text you back their phone number. Howdy. It is me, Eric Erickson, if you're listening. I I, I got a housekeeping note here. Yesterday I said uh, Family Policy Alliance. I'm speaking to Frontline Policy Council tomorrow. They 
they kind of reorganized and, and Cole Museum, my buddy there, he reached out to me and says, he used a, you used the old name, Frontline Policy. Uh, I'm actually speaking tomorrow. I, I, I always try to take a couple times a year and help Cole and Frontline. Uh, they are my favorite group in the state of Georgia. My, they're, they're, listen, no offense. Spare me the text messages. Stop. Put down your phone. They're actually my favorite. I love others. Y'all are all great, but but I think Cole puts a lot of points on the board. He's a good guy, and I'm always happy to help his group. Um, and they're doing an event tomorrow in Georgia, and they asked me to come talk about uh, essentially keeping um, the, the, the wokes out of church. Don't woke my church. Um, and so I'm going to go talk to them about uh, the politics and wokeism in churches, uh, and also how we shouldn't be afraid to talk about some controversial topics and use a little bit of discernment as to whether or not uh, what we're doing is wokeism. Um, but it's kind of to rally pastors. We're in this weird world now where there are lots of people who are trying to drag members of the clergy into politics and to state take stands on politics and I, you know, I, I, I kind of regret where I'm headed with this mentally because I really do enjoy preaching on Sundays. It, it's, it's more of a challenge to me than doing a three-hour radio show. Honestly, a 20, 30-minute sermon is more difficult because there's, there's damnation involved if you screw up. But I also understand putting me in a pulpit, being a guy who talks politics all the, all the time, could give some people the heebie-jeebies, and I'm increasingly concerned about the number of pastors who get on social media, uh, bray like biblical donkeys, talking about politics. I'm like, man, you're you're hurting your witness there. I don't know that you need to engage in politics. So I'm going to go talk about that tomorrow. Alan Sanders will be in for me, and I will talk to you guys on Monday.